Welcome to another gospel message from St. Luke's Anglican Church, Clovelly. The first reading is Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning. There is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. And the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. And I am like a deaf man. I do not hear like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity, I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous, they are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me, because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. The second reading is from 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 25. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we may die to sin and live to righteousness. 
By his wounds you have been healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is God's word. Uh, Welcome, friends. It's great joy to be together as always and uh, to think about these psalms and how they might help us pray in the darkness. And why don't we start by praying? Oh, Heavenly Father, in this uh, strangest of years that has been um, so hard for so many in all sorts of different ways, Father, we thank you that we have uh, a resource that goes back past January, uh, back to the ancient times of these uh, repositories of prayers. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that over these next few weeks that you would help us to draw on the Psalms to help us pray and to keep turning to you and to keep waiting on you in these strange times. And we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Double Bay Today, uh, which is a satirical news website, uh, had an article uh, the other week that's um, on the screen for you where they said that um, Are You OK Day has actually been cancelled after organisers realised that nobody is okay. It's already September and literally nothing good has happened this year, says Ralph on the organising committee. And finished by saying it remains unclear whether Are You OK Day 2021 will go ahead. Now it's satire, but it's funny because it's true. Um, it, It seems to me as I've spoken with all sorts of different people that we've all experienced this year differently. Some of us are out of work Some of us are overworked. Some of us have felt isolated and more lonely than ever before, and some of our introverts have just rejoiced in all this uh, time to ourselves. But it seems to me we've all lost something this year. And we've just finished this series um, on Elijah and Ahab and what it might mean to have faith in a culture that lives without reference to God. And so you're seeing Elijah is kind of held up in the Bible as this great man of prayer. Um, and the, about the power of prayer. Uh, so Mount Carmel, he prays for fire, gets a firestorm. Prays for rain, and a drought breaks. But thankfully, there is also that awkward chapter in chapter 19 where Elijah is doubting, and I think depressed, and it raises this uncomfortable question about the problem of prayer. What about the times that life is falling apart? And our prayers seem to go unanswered, or when we're so weary and exhausted and numb that God just seems so distant and we can barely find the strength to pray. What do we pray when when actually it is cancer? When dad can't recognise you anymore? When a mother buries her child? When a relationship ends? When a dream is shattered? When when our sins come back to haunt us. What then? Now, our modern culture um, tends to avoid suffering, and interestingly, the modern church is much better at songs of triumph and victory than songs of kind of lament and struggle. It's probably tempting to come to church to be inspired, not to come and have all this depressing talk today. But thank God that God has actually included the Psalms in the Bible to help us pray in these moments of darkness, 
Because the Psalms, they, they voice our doubts and our fears, even those times that we might feel like Christians aren't meant to feel like this. If I was just a better Christian, if I just had more faith, I wouldn't have these doubts, I wouldn't feel this way. The Psalms help us get away from that silliness. They give us a songbook of prayers that there's like party songs, you know, for New Year's Eve, and then there's the blues. And it's all in there. Songs and poems and prayers that we can pray when we're weary and guilty and lonely and done. And I take it that we all need that because even if that's not you today, it'll be you one day. And chances are it's someone you know today. And part of being a church, that the, the kind of church community that God wants us to be is that we would rejoice with those who rejoice and suffer with those who suffer. So how do we do that? Well, Psalm 38 is, uh, that's the one we're going to look at today. Um, and Psalm 38 is a Psalm of David. Now, um, there's a, often little, it's called a superscription. It's kind of often in like small caps in your um, Old Testament. Um, and it often will say, of David which can mean in the style of David, but mostly probably means it was written by David. And this psalm, we're just going to look at um, the what, the why, and the where. What's the situation? Why is it happening? And where do you turn? Okay? Now, um, some psalms are uh, kind of introduced with a particular situation. They might say something like, you know, when David had to flee for his life or when David sinned. Um, this psalm, it's not spelled out. There's something about a remembrance, but it doesn't tell us. It's, it's just that the psalmist, the author, has bottomed out. It's almost like life couldn't get any worse. And uh, let's read with me. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart." My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague and my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. I just kind of feel the weight, the emotional weight of it, right? Feeble, crushed, burdened, festering, groaning. I just go about mourning. Um, There's so many and such strong metaphors um, that I don't think it's just a metaphor. I think David is ill, and David is in pain. And it feels like the Lord is against him. And in the midst of his pain, and it's interesting, it uses the word plague. We're kind of living through what a previous generation would have called a plague. Um, he finds himself alone and isolated from his friends. In fact, rejected, I think, because he talks about his nearest kin. And your nearest kin don't accidentally overlook you. They've somehow withdrawn. Um, some commentators think that this psalm is actually describing leprosy and so the fear of that contagion might be keeping people away. But to be honest, most sickness isolates people. Um, the sick don't go out much and too easily are forgotten. And I feel like verse 11 is like the corona verse. This is, this is the verse, right? My friends stand aloof from my plague. 
This plague has forced us apart, hasn't it? That's one of the losses that we've all felt this year. Um, Grandparents who you can't see in the aged home, Um, that niece overseas that you won't get to hug for perhaps years to come, Um, the loneliness of lockdown, that period that was so lonely for those who live alone, and then all the stresses of relationships for those who don't. And even church is spaced out, isn't it? Um, In fact, we might have had just single chairs, except that we couldn't fit enough chairs in. But here we are, we're all spaced out. Um, Even um, where's Waldo? Um, Josh, have you got this slide for us? Um, I don't know if you saw, this is the social distancing version of where's Waldo? You know, um, it's just been a hard year, you know? And so David laments, um, you can take that down, Um, cheap laughs. Um, My friends stand apart from me, he says. Um, and he laments. And then David's also got um, these perennial political enemies who are kind of conspiring against them. Um, Verse 12, he says that there's people seeking his life, seeking his hurt, plotting his downfall. Um, And uh, I take it most of us don't feel like we have conspirators who are kind of plotting our downfall. But it's interesting, I've chatted to people, and I think it's easy at these times for other people to feel like our competitors. Um, someone said, you know, all my colleagues are like overworking because everyone's a bit afraid of losing their jobs. And so our colleagues become our competitors. So here's David, right? He's, it's, it's as if the Lord and his friends and his family and his enemies and his body are all against him. And he's all alone. And there's nowhere to go. Now, if these psalms are new to you, it might be surprising that this is so stark and maybe so dark, actually. Um, Or if you're someone who's got doubts about the Bible, it's kind of interesting to realise that people have doubts in the Bible. But here they are. But the fact that this psalm, which is a psalm to God, has now, by God's sovereignty, been included as a word from God, is actually gives dignity to our suffering, to our doubts, to our darkness more than some super spiritual facade that we're never touched by suffering and it never affects us. I think psalms like this give us permission to pray like this. If you're angry, be angry at, you know, if you're angry at God, be angry with God. If you're doubting God, just tell God your doubts. And the fact that God's put these prayers in the Bible tells you that we can kind of shake our fists at God, but he's that father who'll still wrap his arms around us, even as we rage against him. And on the days that you can't even find the words to pray, and there's some days like that, we could actually pick up some of these psalms and say them as prayers to God. So here's David in this situation that is bleak, kind of can't get much lower. And, he, and so the question is, why is this happening? And here's where it gets a bit interesting. And we're going to read from verse 1 again on the screen. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger. Nor discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Now David knows the Lord God enough to know that the Lord is sovereign, uh, in control, ruling, which means his burdens aren't just bad luck. He can't just pin all these problems by blaming others. What's happening somehow is God's hand that feels heavy upon him. Now, 
Acknowledging that God is in control on our dark days is a pretty hard truth to swallow. But it is better to know that the Lord is in control than that the world is out of control. And it means that there's hope. Because if the Lord is in control of even my worst days, it means there is no darkness that is beyond his reach. But Psalm 38 is known as one of the um, penitential psalms. That is, David is saying sorry. And you can see that clearest perhaps in verse 18, um, where he says, I confess my iniquity, I'm sorry because of my sin. But the interesting thing is, there's a link, isn't there? David sees a link that his sickness on this occasion is because of his sin. He admits that at the end of verse 3, there is no health in my bones because of my sin. Now, we just need to stop and talk about this because very often in our dark moments, our sin and our guilt come back to haunt us. Now, um, we might wonder, like, what, what wrong is there in my past? What sin have I not confessed? What, what did I do that God sent this darkness upon me? And we might blame either God or ourselves. I mean, if I just worked harder, if I just prayed more, or if God wasn't against me, And perhaps we might feel especially that way if we've fallen for that lie that says, if you live a good life, God owes you a good life. So friends, um, please listen. Um, The book of Job uh, and Jesus in John chapter 9 and Paul in Romans chapter 8 all teach that my sickness and my suffering are not necessarily because of particular sin in my life. Did you hear that? Um, In fact, a lot of the Psalms are actually about innocent suffering. So um, you could go home and read Psalm 18 where David's saying, I've been innocent in this matter and yet I'm suffering. And of course, Jesus is the supreme example, isn't he? Um, The suffering that Jesus experienced was not because of his sin, because of ours. Um, He was without sin. And so friends, we must not press on others that when they are suffering or sick, it is because of their sin. None of us know that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and James chapter 5 and Psalm 38 are also teaching that sometimes our sin can lead to particular sickness and suffering. Did you hear all the qualifications? Sometimes it might be the natural consequences. You know, you gorge yourself on food, you feel a little afterwards. You lie to your boss, you lose your job. Sometimes God might allow us to experience the natural consequences. God may humble us and exercise his fatherly discipline through sickness and suffering. So, friends, please, we must not press on others um, that conclusion that, you know, well, you're sick, it must be because of some sin. Quick, confess it. But it might be that we, in our moments of sickness and suffering, stop to ask and humble ourselves before God. David's sickness prompts him to confess his sin. And that's appropriate, isn't it? Because even though my sickness and suffering isn't necessarily because of some particular sin, I am still not without sin. And those moments might humble me to just stop and confess again to the God who loves me and has sent his son to die and to forgive me. And it's interesting for David, 
even though his enemies are speaking against him, he says, I'm just, I've gone silent. In fact, let's have a look at this verse um, on the screen, verse 13. But I'm like a deaf man, I don't hear. I'm like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I've become like a man who does not hear and in whose mouth are no rebukes. What he's saying is, I'm I'm not trying to speak back. I'm not trying to offer a rebuke. I'm not trying to give an excuse or a rationalization or defend myself anymore. I'm, I'm done. I'm silent. He knows he sinned. Instead of those weak, um, the dog ate my homework kind of excuses that we can give to God, he's silent before the Lord. So here's the question Where do you turn? Life couldn't get any worse. Feels like God is even against you. Where do you turn? And the only answer is to turn to the Lord. And so let's come to some of the verses at the end of the psalm. I've just picked a couple out. You can go home and read it all. But um, on the screen, chapter 38, verse 15. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. You know, there are a lot of psalms that start with trouble, but kind of by the time you get to the end, they finish in praise and everything's kind of resolved. But this isn't one of them. Do you notice? There's no resolution. There's no neat bows tied up. There's no happy ending. The situation is not resolved. But it seems David is resolved. And he's resolved to, did you notice that word? To wait. To wait on the Lord. He cries out for salvation from the Lord who he says is my salvation. Now this is a great challenge in our culture because we've got this instant culture, don't we? Um, And a therapeutic culture where we struggle to kind of live with discomfort or suffering for long. Um, We're more used to um, get rich quick. Instant pain relief. You know, the new Panadol works twice as fast. Um, immediate results. Um, there's a parenting book about happy families in seven days. Okay, great. It's that easy. Um, but this is interesting, isn't it? Um, when we do have to wait and we do have to actually live with suffering. Um, my kids' school, they talk about, you know, um, with learning, you have to be in the pit And not try and escape it too quickly or you never learn anything. But those times in our culture when we we do have to wait and we do have to live with it, and it's very tempting to kind of look elsewhere for a quick fix, for some other salvation. Take a pill, get a hobby, focus on yourself, be more positive. When this invites us to wait on the Lord. In a book on the Psalms, Eugene Peterson Um, Actually, even the title is brilliant. A long obedience in the same direction. And then the subtitle is Discipleship in an Instant Society. That's kind of the challenge, isn't it? Um, He tells this story about um, he spent a year working as a night watchman in uh, in New York City. And you just got to think of all those kind of American movies with the, you know, night watchman down the bottom of the building, all that stuff, right? And he said, every night I I was paid to just wait and to watch until the dawn came. He says, you know, sometimes I st- try to do a bit of study, mostly kind of gossip with the old ladies coming in late at night. And he said he never did anything. He never constructed anything. He never made anything happen. He just waited 
for the dawn. He said the reason that he could just wait is because he knew there was an owner who cared for the building and an engineer who was making sure everything was safe and people bring deliveries and everything was being looked after so that he could just wait. And on our dark days, we can wait and pray because we know there is a Lord who's in control and there is a Lord who cares. And especially because if David was worried that the Lord might forsake him because of his sin, did you read that line? The good news of the gospel of Jesus is actually that the Lord Jesus was forsaken because of our sin. Jesus was silent. He didn't defend himself. He did not open his mouth. Not, he wasn't trying to escape. But it wasn't from his sin. It was from ours. And the reason that we can wait and pray and endure, even when God's hand feels heavy upon us, is because we know Jesus has already borne the full weight of our sin once and for all. Let's pray to him now. Oh, Heavenly Father, you know all our hurts and fears and doubts and struggles, the prayers that feel unanswered from our perspective. And Father, too, you also know our sins lurking in our hearts. And so, Father, we pray today with the psalmist that we want to confess our sin before you, that we have failed to live the way that you would want us to live and so easily have turned to other things for our salvation. But, Father, we thank you that you are a God who has sent your very own Son into the darkness of this world, into the depths of that, cro- that death on the cross where he cried out, forsaken, so that we would not be. And so, Father, we thank you that we can look to the Psalms and we can look to the cross to know that you are in control and to know that you care. And so, Father, wherever we are with you today, we pray that you would help us to turn again to you and to wait on you. And we ask for your help with that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about St. Luke's Anglican Church, please visit www.clovelly.org.au.